Anim Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sovereign Stories podcast. Man, it's exciting to finally be recording these shows. If you joined us last week, you know we are a YouTube educational animated video channel working for a few years and finally expanding to give you recorded content you can listen to. Our first several episodes will largely be introducing you to ideas that are pillars in discussions about Native American communities, ideas like sovereignty and treaties, as well as what policies and histories have transpired to get us to where we are today. A lot of issues in Indian country, they are debated in courts, for example, based on laws that could have been written centuries ago. But we aren't going to launch into all of those pillars quite yet. Today, we are just wanting to talk about tribal nations to give you a snapshot of what Native America is today and what it is not. As I mentioned last week, one of my pet peeves is the wide misconception that Native American culture is a culture singular. I think there are several reasons for the genesis and perpetuation of this misconception. Um, For one, as this continent was settled by newcomers, there was a lot of othering occurring in politics and propaganda, etc. And we will definitely hit on those topics in depth at some point in our show, but when I say othering, that's the idea of us versus them. So there is an attitude that European Christians are the us, and even if we don't get along splendidly, at least we aren't them, the backwards savages whose ways are completely unfamiliar to us, and so forth enter the white savior complex, or if not cultural genocide, then full-on genocide to eradicate the heathen problem. It's not unlike Vietnam. It's a war tactic, you know. Natives were the enemy because they posed a threat to safety and they held title to the land. And so the goal was to undo that title and erase any idea of rights. If you can make the enemy seem non-human, it's easier to kill and steal from them. So in wars like in Vietnam, if soldiers could be brainwashed to replace the faces of those that they fought against uh, with racist insults or non-human portrayals of who they actually were, then the soldiers had less hesitation to kill them in war. Anyway, othering was definitely one of the early American attitudes that shaped classifying natives as a singular entity, uh, one that was unlike their own selves. Another factor is racial classification, and we all know how race has shaped a lot of history, human attitude, and now we still see it embedded in microaggressions, even in the most well-intentioned of peoples who swear that they have, you know, colorblindness. And yeah, I don't like that term. Well, likely you get what I'm trying to say. When we make a category of race, we remove a lot of identity and act like the world is much more simple than it is. Within race, however, and I mean any race, we have different nations. And within those nations, we have different ethnic groups and religions and tribes and whatever. Just like just because someone drew an arbitrary line on a map doesn't mean it carved up perfectly groups of people. And sometimes borders cut ethnic groups in half. But all of those substantial intricacies are completely ignored and conflated when we look at race. In the case of Native American communities, as perceived by Americans, there generally is a lack of understanding due to these underlying issues, and it's further perpetuated by, one, a lack of better education, two, a lack of interaction due to the remoteness and isolation of many tribal populations from non-tribal communities, and three, 
a limited depiction in American culture of natives, specifically film, which is steeped in stereotype, in mascots, logos, and romanticized depictions of the noble savage, those only accelerate the issue. I definitely will do a show on stereotypes in film, like especially the Great Plains depictions in these shows and mascots at some point. But right now, I just want to establish that there are many, many cultures of peoples in the Americas and many, many languages, many, many religions, many, many histories. And while there are various commonalities, as there are in any region of the world between different peoples, there there are no singular blanket descriptions which accurately depict what Native American is. It should be mentioned that I've encountered many comments online, like in social media, where people who hardly believe the Native American population is gone, usually extinct in their words. And sometimes they'll say, well, if there are any left, they're not the real or the authentic ones anymore. These same people, how would we describe this? Well, they might, they might just be descendants of, say, Irish immigrants. They may brag about being Irish, which is really actually, it's not Irish, it's Irish-American. But they they don't live the way their Irish ancestors live at the time, so they aren't real or authentic anymore by the same logic. It's a shame that so many Americans seem to be wrapped up in an archaic, stereotyped, and not necessarily accurate depiction of Native peoples. I like so much that they lose interest if they can no longer practice in some kind of odd cultural voyeurism to satisfy some romanticized concept of, of who we are. But natives are not gone. Not at all. On the contrary, like the 2010 U.S. Census, the number said 5.3 million Native Americans. And that constitutes about 1.7% of the U.S. population. It's also worth noting that about 57% of that population, its native, does not live on tribal lands, but instead in a city somewhere else. Only about 40-ish percent of the population natives actually live on a reservation, at least part-time. And speaking of reservations, there are about 315 in the U.S., but that number can change. Recently, the Little Shell Band of Chippewa were granted federal recognition in Montana, and they have been pushing for more lands. Meanwhile, the Mashpee Wampanoag were told the reservation is getting dissolved. Yeah, it's 2020, and that's now a thing, apparently. Can't say I'm surprised. It's never really stopped since 1492, you know. But anyway, the reservations that do exist are about 55 million acres of land, which makes up about 2% of the United States. And I can't tell if that feels like a lot or not, considering that it was 100% Native American land not that long ago. And the reservations, too, can vary a lot in size, so some tribes only have a few acres. Then there's places like the Navajo Nation, that that's the largest tract. It's about the size of West Virginia, and it spans across three different states. So there's Arizona, New Mexico, and Utah. I'll discuss in other shows how reservations are formed exactly, but for now, let's just say it usually happens through a treaty or an executive order meaning the federal government ultimately holds the authority to give nations land. Ironically, I suppose. Uh, Now, I wonder how many of you listening would tell me if you're Native or part Native American. Honestly, so many people claim this. I'm sure I've got tribal members listening, 
and I know I do on my channel, at least. So I'm not talking to you, but I bet a bunch of you say a Cherokee and maybe even have an ancestor who is a princess, which is a, a load of BS because I don't know what kind of Cherokee you're talking about. There are no princesses. Um, usually my first response is, oh, you're Tlagi. And people don't know what that meant. And then I'll say, okay, you're Cherokee, but which one? And then they look at me all confused. To me, that's proof that even if you are native in some way, like, nobody cares. You're not a part of a community. You know, you don't even know what you're claiming. And I don't understand why more people don't get thrown in hot water under a bus for doing just those accusations because... In American society, I mean, look at what happened to Elizabeth Warren and Rachel Dolezal when their own claims surfaced as false or unsubstantiated. What gives people the right to do that in everyday conversations, especially in order to tell Native peoples that their issues don't matter? If you've ever seen those Washington football fans, the Arthurs, who looked real natives in the face on the interview program on TV and then they told them, oh, I'm 5 twelfths Cherokee and it doesn't offend me, maybe you can see the problem. Because it's not about how much you are or you aren't of something. It's about the citizenship and about being part of your nation and participating in our culture and actually knowing what you're talking about. The other problem in that comment is the guy who said that on TV has a serious math problem and needs to learn how fractions work because five twelfths is a very unlikely it's it's not even in the charts that they present for blood quantum and that is a chart that's official by the federal government i mean i don't mean to rant about that and i don't mean to offend anybody by talking about it like that but the truth of the matter is i don't understand how it seems like in any other culture if somebody were to be claiming to be something and not be able to prove it, it's a big deal. But when it comes to being Native American, it's like the status quo. How are we ever going to help our own people if other people cannot stop perpetuating the status quo? But I think it's so critical for people to grasp the issue of what tribal nationhood and citizenship means today. It's not some claim thrown into the wind. It's like literally... You wouldn't move here from Finland and say I'm American. Like, no, not yet. Calm down. You have to prove yourself first, and then you get citizenship. In a way, same thing with tribes, except for the whole blood quantum piece where you have to actually be racially or ethnically derived, and yeah, let me explain that a bit. So being Native American isn't just a family history or a story. So many Americans have these stories. Like, probably most who have ancestors who have been here since the 1800s or earlier. I personally love doing family trees for friends, and I get requests all the time, and almost every single one of them claim to be Cherokee. And here's an example. One friend said she was Cherokee somewhere in her line, and I did her whole tree. She was 100% German and English. All came over here in the 1700s. The only mention I could find in her ancestry about Native Americans was when her fifth great grandfather led a ruthless town massacre against a tribe in Pennsylvania for no reason other than that that group was racist and wanted the local resources to themselves. 
But somehow that story morphed into her ancestors being part Cherokee. In reality, it was quite the opposite. When it comes to being part of a tribe, it is the responsibility of each tribal nation to determine the citizenship. Sometimes a tribal council will make an exception. I think even Obama was given like an honorable tribal membership, which I honestly... I don't believe it's quite the same thing. It's more like a different title of sorts. I don't really know. Um, it might depend on the tribe as well. But typically, membership is based off of something in the United States that they agree that the that the United States itself agrees is a legitimate source of information for why a person qualifies to be a citizen of that sovereign nation that it acknowledges. And why does the federal government care? Well, as we will discuss in another show when we go into treaties, there are a lot of various issues concerning federal dollars which are set aside to service those whose ancestors signed agreements for exchanges. Basically, why the U.S. government has 98% of this land non-tribal is because a lot of agreements were made to make truce during war times. Truces that reduced bloodshed. In fact, native or non-native, you may only be allowed today because an ancestor of yours was spared in a battle by the signing of those truces. Have you ever thought about that? So tribes don't get handouts. They get limited things from the federal government. But those are the annuities and the reparations in some regard to enable the United States to be here and exist the way it does. It's like literally the least the country can do. And so the federal government is interested in how many people it's obligated to serve based on tribal citizenship. And that being said, tribes still have the sovereign power to ultimately choose who is a member of their nations. So being Native American is a political status that is often earned because someone has an ancestor listed on the federal Indian roll with a recorded blood quantum or a fraction of any blood. And then the Indian Citizenship Act of 1924 ruled all tribal members should be automatically American citizens too. And you might be like, why did it take so long? But others were actually offended. Because how can a tribe be a sovereign if it's also American? Previously, those Indian rules were important because the U.S. might not allow a tribal citizen to get a plot of land in America unless that citizen relinquished a tribal citizenship. They didn't accept dual citizenship then. The act changed that, although controversially. So just to reiterate, being Native American isn't a club. It came with a lot of pain and it's wrapped up so much in this red tape and trauma that flippant claims of Native American heritage can be incredibly upsetting, counterproductive, and well, it, it just perpetuates ignorance. It seems Native Americans are the only so-called race where people can make claims about being that race without setting off a viral response on the internet. So why is that? In some of our old videos, we reported that there were 567 tribal nations that were federally recognized. Now, I think we're up to 573, but it, it does change for sure. And it grows. And sadly, also tribes can be terminated too. And we'll talk about termination in other shows when we go through the timeline of American history, but there are more than just federally recognized tribes also within the geopolitical boundaries of the United States. There are state-recognized and completely unrecognized groups. 
for now, I won't go into that into depth, but just understand that it's kind of backwards. Tribes are considered their own nations conditionally, meaning that the U.S. or some American government entity has to acknowledge it for it to be recorded as a sovereign. It is really illogical, but it's strategic in a way, I think, for the U.S. to keep tribes in its back pocket. And tribes aren't always called the same thing either. They can be a nation or a band, a village, a Puebla, Rancheria, or even a community. Kind of like we're the United States, but then you've got the Republic of Ireland or the United Kingdom. All still sovereign nations, all still countries, all with their own citizenships, laws, and so forth. Although with tribes, not all of them have land. And not all of them have casinos either, so we can throw that stereotype out. Some tribes are as small as a dozen citizens, and then there are others that are several hundreds of thousands. And why is there a variance? Well, I mean, genocide's like one reason, unfortunately. Um, but another is tribal enrollment, as we discussed. And tribes are frequently voting on changing their requirements as more and more people are intermarrying, which reduces blood quantum. Blood quantum meaning how much Indian you are. So the next generation may not qualify. So some tribes, like the Cherokee Nation in Oklahoma, are only requiring the descent from a Cherokee person. So their population is larger, and their blood quantum between citizens can vary enormously. But for many nations, even today, they still keep a one-quarter blood quantum rule, but that could always change. Most Native Americans today live west of the Mississippi River, we cannot forget an entire 226 of the tribes that are federally recognized in the United States actually exist in the state of Alaska, in Alaska alone. The other tribes out of the bunch are concealed within the 34 contiguous states. So yes, there are absolutely indigenous peoples in Hawaii too, but the native Hawaiian population is not treated the same. They do not have a federal recognition status or even a reservation. And that's a hot topic that we did several videos on separately on our YouTube channel. I'll definitely have a show about Hawaii and the Akaka Bill. But for now, just know that they're acknowledged in some regards by the federal government, but treated entirely differently in most cases. And they're heavily impacted by tourism and how their ecosystem is damaged since the time of colonization. But going back to what I was saying about people sometimes mourning the loss of what they see as Native Americans. Yeah, today we are just like everyone else, not living in a teepee or whatever wacky thing I've heard people truly believe. There are some exceptions, don't get me wrong, but Native youth go to schools, they may go off to college. More and more of us are graduating with professional degrees, lots of PhDs. There are so many organizations founded for supporting natives in different professions. For example, I am a member of the American Indian Science Engineering Society, or ACES, um, which pr promotes natives in STEM. And we have so many tribal members working as doctors, engineers, and scientists. And a lot of them are part of that ACES program. We've got authors, and educators, and artists. It's, it's just like any other demographic, really. And... Some are specifically driven by their identity to serve their own people, like researchers wanting to find creative solutions to find community issues, um, solutions to address community issues, or lawyers specifically working in Indian law to help the tribe. 
Furthermore, tribal citizens can look like anything, especially with communities that have more genetic variants due to relaxed blood quantum laws. We dress just like anyone else, unless we, of course, are dancing at a powwow or at a ceremony of some kind or in a traditional meeting. And you likely can pass a native in the street and not even notice. That's not always the case, perhaps, because I know some male professors who definitely rock the braids and probably look the part enough to convince you, <laughs> but it just depends. When it comes to professionals today in the Native American population, some continue to work with for their own tribe, whether in tribal government or another community program in their lands, and some own their own businesses on or off of those lands. And then others work for the county, state, federal governments, federal offices, which may also serve the tribes or Native Americans in general, or not be Native-specific at all. Some are passionate about learning their unique language and cultures, and then others just don't participate at all. They might even resent the stigma and the stereotypes and the socioeconomic realities that result from their environment and who they were born as, which is sad, but it's worth mentioning that it does happen. And that can lead to the brain drain effect because young kids might yearn to go off to a big city when they're older and they don't come back. They want to be away from it all. But some regularly participate in traditional ceremonies and others go to churches or synagogues, etc. And some may do both or they may participate in mixed ceremonies such as a peyote ceremony with Christian references. It just totally depends. It truly is the dual citizenship that I think defines a large part of the difference between Americans and Native Americans. It's about their community life, about where they come from and the legacy of colonization within their own histories. It's something that drives them to be more passionate about how their people are impacted. So they run for tribal office or even go for federal positions. They can influence politics more favorably for their people. They get passionate about court rulings that specifically impact their rights to cultural freedom and land. They, they regularly participate in cultural events that unite natives in a sense of pan-Indianism, like bringing together peoples that are totally separate culturally, but who are all treated as one race by the federal government and therefore have histories and contemporary issues in common. An example of these events could be the gathering of nations powwow, or through some tribes, their fairs and rodeos. The point is, Native America is, is not gone, but it evolves, just as every single part of the world is constantly evolving. Things that survive learn to adapt. They still resemble the key things that made them what they are, but they change or else they die. And in the case of Native America, it's, it's not the Hollywood image that you likely conjure up. And while all communities, indigenous or not, they all have their struggles. We all have social ills and suffering tied closely to our histories. What has happened to us, what we've gone through, and how we struggle to survive. And similarly, Native America is far more than stereotypes of poverty and alcoholism and supposed government handouts. Although it can be hard to see a different image when that's the favorite depiction of the media today. And we can get tired of seeing the, oh, you poor Indians. Just like we can get tired of hearing things like, get over yourselves, I didn't do anything to you and I don't owe you anything. Remember, in the unique case of Native America, there are actually legal obligations and transactions involved. So all that historic othering, 
all the sovereign negotiations, all the racial categorization and conflation over time, it's far deeper than all of that. Well, with that, I think our next topic will be to explore what sovereignty is and to discuss the earliest parts of American history that legally established tribes as sovereign nations. If you like this discussion today, I encourage you to watch the animated version of it on our YouTube channel, Sovereign Stories. It is video number two titled Tribal Nations Today. If you like this content and you want to see more, please consider supporting it on patreon.com slash sovereign stories. And as always, be sure to subscribe, provide feedback or requests, and share this channel so we can all be on the same page. Miigwech.